What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Chills to Your Bones. The first story is the very first story sent to the CTYB podcast Gmail. A very special thanks to Emma, all the way from the Down Under. Thank you for taking the time to write the story for us. We really appreciate it. I live and grew up in New Zealand. When I was a teenager, I spent a lot of time in the Watakiri Ranges, a large mountain range and surrounding area known for its deep bush, forest beaches and isolation. Many of my friends lived out there and we often had unsupervised parties at their homes. I was at a party with a small group of friends and my boyfriend. We weren't planning on staying too late and my boyfriend was going to drive us home when we had had enough. My boyfriend had a few drinks, so I offered to drive us home. I unfortunately didn't hold the license, and I feel it was a risky move. The roads in these ranges are skinny, extremely bendy, and lots of blind corners, and known for slips and trees falling down in bad weather conditions. And it was raining, but I just stupidly wanted to go home. A couple of people commented that maybe it wasn't a good idea to drive home, but it was only a couple of minutes down the road, and in the middle of the night, we didn't expect to meet another vehicle on these desolate roads. The two of us hopped into the car, and I drove down the driveway and pulled out onto the road. As I got up to speed and rounded the first corner, a huge figure was suddenly right in front of the car. It stood maybe seven foot tall and was wispy, like a thick smoke, black in color, with no distinguishable features aside from the fact that it was clearly human-shaped and seemed to be wearing a cloak or a hoodie. It was standing straight on, tall and not moving or walking. I immediately slowed the car while getting the fright of my life, my boyfriend gasping. What was that? I didn't stop fast enough and we drove straight through this thing and it evaporated and disappeared and the car came to a stop. I turned around and back up the driveway, and we stayed the night at the party and drove home in the daylight the next morning. If I had been on my own, I would have sworn my eyes were playing tricks on me. But I have a witness who saw the same thing and was just as rattled as I was. I like to think that this thing was stopping me from making a huge mistake in those treacherous roads, although whenever driving at night, I always get the chills down the back of my spine remembering what I saw. The second story is called The Mimic, and it's from the Reddit user SingleMom24-1. Shout out to SingleMom24-1. We appreciate you letting us read your story. Now, I've been thinking about it lately. I call it The Mimic. When I was 17, for almost a whole year, almost every time my mom and sister were out of town for the day shopping, and I was home alone, I'd hear it. Keys jiggling in the front door, the click of the lock, the scrape of the door sliding open and closed as the dogs rushed to the front door, barking to greet whoever just came home. I'd hear my mom or my sister tell the dogs to stop and that they live here, and the dogs would stop barking and go about their business. I would get up 
and go say hi, but nobody would be there. It stopped happening once I started staying in bed and calling my mom to see where they were instead of getting up to greet them. Once after my mom had surgery, she was staying at her parents' place for a few weeks to heal. I brought my dog for a walk, and when I came home, my mom's dog, who was asleep in her room, started barking. I heard my mom tell her, Shelby, stop barking. And after a few more barks, she listened and stopped. I ran in my mom's room to say hello. I hadn't seen her in a few weeks at that point, and I didn't know she was coming home. But her room was empty. I still don't know what it was, or why the dogs were listening to a disembodied voice. I don't know why I was stealing my family's voices. A lot of the other shit happened at the apartment. From knocking in, yes, in, the walls, to claws scraping down my closet door. This is 100% true. Has anyone ever experienced something similar? In the same apartment, my sister had just left to her boyfriend's and my mom was at work. I started feeling sick one day. I grabbed the banana and I went to my room to try to feel better. Almost as soon as I got to the bed, I heard a knocking come from inside the walls. I could replicate it exactly by knocking my knuckle against the wall. I called my sister crying because I didn't know what it was. And she came home. But just before the front door opened, the knocking stopped. She made sure I was just alright, then left again, and everything was quiet. I stood up to go throw my banana peel away, and as I was walking past my closet and out of my bedroom, I heard one final knock on the walls. A few months later, I rearranged my bedroom and set up a little reading corner where I was leaning against my closet in a little blanket nest I had made on the floor. It only happened when I was leaning against the door for over 20 minutes. But any time I would be reading in my little nest, I would hear and feel the vibrations of the door rumbling against my back. What sounded like claws dragging down the inside of the closet door trying to get out. It only happened three times before I rearranged my room again. This time, I put my bed against the closet door so anything in there couldn't get out. Mind you, my closet was completely full to the top and I couldn't could have fit in there. So I don't know where the sound was coming from, but it certainly wasn't the three garbage bags pressing against the door. I still heard things coming from my closet after moving my bed against it but I feel safer knowing it couldn't get out. I still don't know what was in the apartment, but I'm glad it didn't follow me when I left. And for the last story, the person who submitted this story to the CTYB podcast Gmail decided to stay anonymous. No problem. I just wanted to mention a big thanks to you for allowing me to share your story in the podcast and thank you for taking the time to write this story. Okay, so I posted the shorter version on Reddit, but here's a version with more details. Names change for identity protection. Back when I was in high school, two of my friends, Olivia and Megan and I, decided that we wanted to play the Ouija board out of curiosity. We wanted to see who we can get to come through. And let me say this. We got two pretty interesting entities to come through. 
we could tell that it was always the same two. I can't share a lot of information about them, as I've been asked not to. We always got the same two, though almost as if they were paired together for the rest of eternity. And we know, based on the consistency that carried through experiences both inside and outside of the board. We'll call them blue and red, for reasons that will become a little more apparent later on in my story. They never liked talking about their deaths, nor events leading up to their death. Anytime we'd ask, the planchette would either move very slowly or not move at all. Anyways, the beginning was quite simple. We experienced all the stereotypical paranormal experiences. Things moved around on their own, footsteps, Adam disappearing, then reappearing somewhere else, things turning off randomly, seeing ghostly figures, feeling like we were being watched, feeling something touch us when nobody was around, feeling like we weren't alone, etc. It didn't really bother us though, because it was all pretty harmless things. We actually found it exciting, as irresponsible as that can be. Then, the more we talked to these two spirits, the more they'd interact with us. We always knew when they were around and wanted to talk, would feel their energy, and it'd always be followed by repetitive tapping that would go away once we started the session. The ghostly figures we saw became more physical. Instead of seeing just a pair of shoes or just a floating head with no face, we'd see full body figures. Sharing what they looked like is something I've always asked not to share. We also started hearing voices too. One example, I was on the phone once with Olivia and I was telling her a story. I can't remember what the story was about. It was something stupid. But all of a sudden, I hear a male voice say, What the fuck? I ask her if she's with someone, but she says no. She was at home by herself. Then, there was another instance when I was on the phone with her again. And I hear a male voice say, Hey. And again, I ask her if someone was with her. She stated that she was by herself. She'd had similar experiences where she'd hear a male voice from my end, despite me being alone. I also started seeing shoe print impressions much larger than mine appear on the carpet of my bedroom, as well as shaving razors of mine being dulled. And when I say dulled, I mean to the point that there is nothing left of the blades. They became just a few pieces of metal on the stick. They were so dull that they wouldn't even begin to remove any hair off my legs. They even began interacting with us through our dreams. And this is when we really got more information from them about their lives. There was one dream I had with Blue where we were just sitting in the dimly lit room having a conversation. I was venting about bullshit, and whenever I finished, he gave me a hug, and I woke up. Then there was another dream I had, where Red, Blue, and myself were just standing around in the park, drinking, and having a conversation. After my dog passed away, I had another dream with Blue, where I was just talking about missing my dog and showing him pictures that I had. This fourth dream is something I still remember very vividly. I was put in the situation they were in before dying. I won't share more than that. Olivia had this exact same dream, among others with them as well. Anyways, 
Then the entities became more attached. I remember Megan joking around and calling Olivia a hoe for laughs. This did not go very well with the Red. He spent the entire next day doing things to Megan that weren't nice. She was hit with the car door. A milkshake she was drinking exploded in her face. Almost as if someone had took the cup and squeezed the shit out of it. She was pushed and had the hood of her sweatshirt pulled. Needless to say, nobody joked around like that anymore. I can't remember much else in between this, but eventually, Megan and an outside friend who became involved somewhere along the way, we'll call her Elizabeth, got into it with Olivia Blue Red and myself because they felt left out of the sessions. If I remember correctly, they argued that everyone was turning them away and leaving them out. I still remember Blue saying this about Megan. It's like talking to a brick wall. Olivia and I decided to cut ties with them at this point. After this argument, Blue and Red were really ready for some revenge. This is when we got a true taste of how strong these two spirits were, and this experience is why I refer to them as Blue and Red. Megan and Elizabeth had gotten out the board to talk to Blue and Red following the argument to try and mend things, I guess. But they were met with a very odd session. Here's a summary of what happened, but it's sadly not in chronological order. The screenshots of the conversation got mixed up. However, I'll do my best to get things in order. A female spirit, blue and red, were contacted. I believe the female spirit was contacted first. The female spirit admitted to being evil. And she said to stay away from blue and red. She was connected to blue and red. However, not in terms of, I knew them when I was alive. Or something like that. The female spirit wanted Megan... Elizabeth and myself out. She even admitted to trying to scare me away. We believe she may have stopped or had been made to stop possibly by blue and red. We still have unanswered questions about this female spirit. However, blue and red didn't share anything about this female spirit being around our sessions before. After the female spirit, Megan and Elizabeth were able to get through to blue and red. Megan and Elizabeth tried asking about the female spirit. However, neither would give up any information. Blue and Red just told them to stay away from this female spirit. The female spirit came through again and said the same thing about Blue and Red. To stay away from them too. Blue and Red came back through again. Red wouldn't admit to anything and Blue stated that he never wanted us to know about this female spirit. However, neither was showing any anger or, or any aggression at this point. Then, Blue's wanting emotion and even saying sexual comments on the board, claiming that they loved Elizabeth. Elizabeth gently rejected, and Blue seemed hurt. This is when I became skeptical that it was the same spirit at all. However, it was really Blue. They were giving me information about myself that nobody else would have known without Megan or Elizabeth even asking for it. Blue proved to be who he was even more by giving very extensive, consistent information about himself. He acted anxious, depressed, and quite like normal. His most common sentence during the session was, Love me. They didn't get to Red, but whenever they did, Blue would hardly speak afterwards at all. Red is a strong spirit. Much stronger than Blue. 
You could always tell. Red was also territorial. Red even told Elizabeth that he didn't like her for the few months of being involved because she was too skeptical of him. She wanted to profile him and get information. At this point, Elizabeth tells me this. Red loves to play, and so does Blue. It's not a game you can mutually play because they don't know the rules. They don't even know the game. This is when things really ramped up quickly. Elizabeth was consumed with an intense amount of anger. She threw the planchette across the room, and pure hateful things started spilling out of her mouth. She didn't even remember what she had said, and I wasn't there to be able to say either. Blue came through again, and he kept saying, love me. Elizabeth snapped at him, saying she didn't love him and could never love anybody. She said some more other things, but I was never told what. Elizabeth was consumed by anger again, and she said it was so intense that there was white noise in her ears. This is when the boy said over and over again, you're just like me. Elizabeth called for Blue, but the boy spelled Red's name. At this point, she was crying and denying it, but she was still filled with so much anger. Then, Megan started to be consumed by sadness and struggled to calm down. At this point, the boy said, you try to figure me out because you're scared? Remember, Elizabeth was the skeptical one. She wanted information. By the time the sentence was over, Elizabeth realized she had unknowingly been saying, I'm just like them, over and over again. The board spelled, you're going to break, as Elizabeth kept repeating the same sentence over and over again. Megan started to get angry at this point too. This is the end of the screenshots I had. However, I can safely say that Megan and Elizabeth never did play the board again. Olivia and I continued to use the board for a short period of time until she had a falling out. I still experience things every now and then, but not to the extent I once did. Everybody, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. A special thanks to the people that sent in their stories to the CTYB podcast Gmail, and also to the Reddit user who allowed me to share their stories here on the podcast. If any of you are interested in sharing your story here on the podcast, please email me at ctybpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear your stories.